Hi, I'm Mark Richardson, and welcome to Remodeling Mastery. Remodeling Mastery is a podcast series that's really designed to help you think, not just do your business. What I try to do is take different topics that I think are especially relevant for you to, more than anything, just take a little bit of a time out as you're kind of thinking and driving along and wanting to spend a little time thinking about your business. Today, I want to talk about a topic that certainly is one that I've talked about, written about, and I really think is especially important right now. And that is the whole notion of the art of time mastery. I think one of the elements that today is especially true is people are super time starved. And as a result of that, they're super busy. And and in turn, I think they're spending less and less time on the right kind of things within their business. As you look at kind of the environment out there today. You've got kind of two dynamics going on. You've got on the one hand a very large tailwind, tailwind in terms of consumer demand, leads, sales, all those kind of things that are pushing your business forward. Matter of fact, as I've talked about before, if you're doing well in sales today, it may not be because you're good. It may be just because of the market demand. The other force that's going on is really more of a headwind. And that headwind obviously has to do with supply chain, labor issues, all sorts of challenges, price escalation, uh, hiring, recruiting, all those things are kind of the tailwind, the headwind coming in. So using that metaphor, if you think about kind of both of these forces coming together. It's almost like the weather when you have two different forces coming together. It creates kind of a front, so to speak, that causes, I think, kind of a whirlwind of activity that's going on in your business. And while on the one hand with the tailwind, you say, gosh, why am I not making more money? Why am I not feeling more happy or less stressed about my business? But the dynamic of the marketplace in your business today is really very much the reason for that. And as a result, I think this whole notion of time and how you go about mastering time and spending time in your business, I think is especially important. One of the things interesting about time as I coach many different people out there is what percentage of your time is spent on the long term versus the medium and the short term. And what happens is when we get super busy, we stop spending time on the longer term kind of issues. So I encourage trying to take some inventory and kind of keep that really in check as much as you can. I think the other element here, when you look at your team, a lot of times the stress or that rubber band stretching and almost snapping is not necessarily a product of them failing. It's a product of their overwhelm. It's a product of their time mastery. And what I see around the country, whether it's leaders or or key team members, the best of the best out there are ones that are masterful at time. So first, let's think about some of the different folks out there within your organization, or maybe even you listening to this, you know, I find at least people fall into kind of three categories. They are the ones that are the hot mess in the rebuild category that literally need a time management coach. They're the ones that are doing okay, but in stressful conditions, they will definitely 
not just fail, but they won't be quite as productive. And then the third group is those that really have mastered their time and literally look for new ways to create more effectiveness and efficiencies and new techniques when it comes to the time. So all people are not created equal when it comes to this, although we're all handed the same 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You have to be sensitive to how people adapt and adjust to the demands of time today really differently. So just to reiterate, I think the importance of this, I think if you can, in fact, be more masterful or you can make this a priority within your team, I think you will certainly be better. You know, the book I wrote, The Art of Time Mastery, is a good little tool that will help you. I think you can certainly grab a hold of that and, and that will help you with the business. But over the course of the next 10 or 15 minutes, I'm going to make an attempt to give you a few tips. So the first thing I oftentimes do with any group when it comes to the subject of time is ask them why. Why do you want to have more control of your time? Why do you want to improve on this? And there's a whole bunch of reasons that you could jot down a list. But if you, in fact, have uh, more control, better time management, more masterful at time, you'll reduce stress, you'll accomplish more, you'll actually have time to really focus on improving yourself and improve the business. Also, on a very practical level, you can keep promises that oftentimes slip through the cracks. And also, you'll be able to think more clearly. The bottom line is there's no downside to having more uh, mastery of time. And therefore, I think you know, making this a priority is really important. One of the themes that you have to kind of get in check, I would say, before you're able to uh, 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 really improve on time is the whole notion of proactive versus reactive time. Now, when I've studied many, many of the most successful folks out there, one of the fundamental differences between the, the ones that are really strong and the ones that are okay is the percentage of reactive active time to proactive time. So sit back, take some inventory, think about, you know, a typical week in your life, typical month in your life, and ask yourself, what percentage of my time is proactive that I control versus reactive that others control? And as you sit back and really think about that as a percentage, and you don't need to at first have, have it be too scientific and take a lot of notes with it, you can just get a kind of a gut feel. So jumping ahead, after you do this, giving you a little bit of feedback, whether it's sales or leadership groups, I ask this question a lot, and I'll get answers that are, quite frankly, all over the place. Some people will say 50-50. Some people will say 40% proactive, 60%. The ideal place that you want to be is about 80, 85 percent proactive if you're in a professional role within the organization and 15 percent to 20 percent reactive. Now, there always is going to be reactive time in any business, in any part of your life, in what you do, whether it's personal or professional. So you're never going to eliminate it completely, but you can adjust this portfolio blend if you look at it the right way. Now, three sources of your reactive time that you can start to reduce. If you're 50-50, you want to say, okay, how do I get it from 50-50 to 60-40? And so on all the way up till you get to the 80-20. Uh, one source is your clients. 
So I'm a big believer to proactively control the communication with the clients, not reactive to what the clients want you to do. Now, again, you're not going to get this 100%, but if Monday morning you sit down with all your active client list and you reach out to each one of them and just simply connect to them and say, you know, I know you're thinking about ABCD things. Why don't we have a conversation or set a time? Talk about these things on Wednesday at 12 o'clock. Or I'm going to be by the house sometime Thursday morning. Make a list of these things and we'll, we'll talk about them then. But if you kind of move it to proactive time and not reactive time, you're going to see, again, all those benefits of reduced stress and more control. The second is your team members. Your team members oftentimes will come up and interrupt you. Now, one misconception a lot of people have is that reacting to their need is, in fact, kind. It's actually the best thing. Not always the case. So those issues that they come up with oftentimes are things that can be organized and put into your proactive time and not reactive time. So the next time people are coming up to you, ask them, would it be okay, Jim, if we sit down at one o'clock and discuss this? Now, they're going to say one of three things. No, it's a fire that needs to be put out. And that's usually about a third of the time. Okay, fine. You put it out. Two is that, yes, that would be fine. And you schedule it for one o'clock to be able to sit down in a sensible kind of way to discuss it, or three, mysteriously, they're going to solve it on their own. Any way you look at it, you're going to get a gift of time back if, in fact, you adjust that. And again, I think sometimes we confuse kindness with, with uh, you know, appropriate behavior here. Last one, which I won't get into in much detail, but I think the first two hold true is family. You know, the same thing holds true with your clients. The same thing holds true with your team member. If you adapt some of the same techniques when it comes to your family, I think you're going to be much better. The second next theme I want to just touch on, and there's been a lot of confusion, I think, about this topic over the last, I'd say, 10 to maybe 20 years, especially since we've gotten a lot more technology driven in everything that we do. And that is a whole subject. Are you more efficient or are you more effective? And I bring in the technologies in this, not so much as a, as, as a negative, because I think technologies are both a blessing and a curse in terms of our days and our week as it re- results of time. A lot of times we'll try to be more efficient through texting or emailing through other ways of communicating using technologies, but it's not necessarily the most effective. There is, there are times that a higher touch, a phone call, a walking down the hall, talking to someone about something is a much, much more effective way versus efficient. So I encourage you to at least ask yourself the question, what is in fact the most effective not just what is the most efficient in terms of the way to communicate. And if you can get your handle around that theme and start to adopt that thinking, I think you're going to see a lot of success. So as you start to work on this time mastery, I really encourage you, and I've done many webinars on this that you can go to remodelingmastery.com and actually have access to some of the webinars or read my book. But 
One of the things that you need to start with is taking inventory. It's no different than when it comes to your clothing or it comes to your food or whatever it happens to be. You got to take a little bit of inventory before you decide what the solutions are going to be. I encourage you to do this when it comes to your time. I'm a big believer in fundamental questions. You know, when are you best at doing things? Where are you best at doing things? What kind of things are you doing? By asking yourself a lot of questions, you will, in fact, I think, have better clarity when it comes to your time. So one exercise in taking inventory that's super helpful to do is to be able to list five to seven kind of categories of the way you spend your time in a typical week or in a typical month. And in those different categories, uh, what you want to do is you want to understand and list those out and then ask yourself, what percentage of my time in those five to seven categories am, am I spending? Sit back and then reflect, reflect on in an ideal world, what would I like them to be? So for example, when I'm working a lot with sales managers, sales leaders, or salespeople even, I ask them, how much time are you actually spending selling? How much are you time are you spending generating business and opportunities in your typical week? And you'd be shocked. Many, many sales managers out there are only spending maybe 25 to 35% of their time time and what their job is, and that is focused on sales and everything else, whether it's dealing with fires, administrative things, tracking metrics, all those kind of things are really consuming them with so many other things. But by taking inventory of the different kind of activities that you're doing, what percentage of your time is spent on each one of those, and then asking yourself what would be ideal, then you can come up with a way to start to increase it. I was working with a fella years ago on this particular, and we figured out a way to be able to shift some of his administrative time, some of his project-related type time going out and visiting projects, shift it to one more lead a week. The one more lead a week resulted in one more sale a month. The one more sale a month gave him about a 20% increase in terms of his income and sales just simply by adjusting the portfolio and the amount of time. The other element when it comes to time is thinking about when you do certain things. Now, I oftentimes ask audiences a pretty basic question. Are you a morning person or are you an evening person? It's interesting because I'm a morning person that about 50% fall into that category, but 50% fall into the evening category. Now, I'm not here to judge whether you should be one or the other or, quite frankly, even trying to change you. What I am saying, however, you're going to be more effective doing certain activities and things in the time frame that you are more it is more your what your DNA is all about. So I encourage, for example, by knowing that I know in my case, I'm very reflective early in the morning. I'm very creative mid morning. I'm very productive kind of late morning. And then I'm very interactive from about lunchtime on. And I kind of feed off of the relationships and phone calls and interactions action with people as I get a little bit later in the day. Now, it doesn't mean I can't adjust and do different things at different times of the day. But if I know that about myself, I can organize my day in terms of the types of meetings and types of activities that I'm doing uh, 
in the time slots that I have available that really fits kind of my, my, my DNA, so to speak, in terms of when I'm doing certain things. So, for example, using myself... I do a lot of writing. I write, for example, early in the morning as opposed to the afternoon. I also interact and coach and work and do different type of trainings and things with different companies and individuals. I tend to do that more late morning and into the afternoon more than I do it early in the morning. Now, by knowing that, I'm really giving the best of my best in terms of about me. And I think by taking that inventory, you can certainly be able to do the same. So the last thing I really want to get into is a really a, a, a topic and theme that I developed not that long ago, maybe about seven, eight years ago, I started to do this for myself. And I, I, I classify it as stress clouds. Now, I'm a big believer in the more you speak in analogies and metaphors, the more you not necessarily are clever, but you're actually helping you helping yourself understand things. And as I was thinking about this metaphor of clouds and literally looking out at the sky and watching clouds come in, the clouds are coming in, they're starting to break the sunlight coming in, and I can just feel the weight of the weather changing. I started to think about my day and my week in a similar way. So I developed this little technique where I would ask myself, if I'm feeling a little bit overwhelmed and stressed out, why am I feeling that? Well, it's usually because of very specific things. I call them clouds. Now, the bigger clouds are the bigger things, whether they're personal or whether they're professional, they're bigger clouds. The little ones all add up as well to little clouds. And if you have too many balls that you're juggling, you can have a whole bunch of little clouds. So what I do is an exercise, and I do this for myself every seven to 10 days, I actually make a list. What are those clouds that are out there? And I try to limit it to somewhere between five and seven clouds that are out there. Sometimes it's a little less. Sometimes it's a little bit more. It could be a big meeting that's coming up that's just weighing on me. It could be just... Uh, preparing for a presentation. It could be a, a, a commitment in terms of a project that is coming due. Whatever those things, they all kind of weighed on us and they affect kind of how clearly we're able to think. Once I acknowledge what they are, I determine how big they are relative to each other. In some cases, they're very small. In some cases, they're very big. The bigger clouds I literally draw as a cloud that's blocking the sun, and the little ones I do the same. Then what I try to do with each one of them is I have one to three action steps of something I can do in that day or the next day or that week that will ultimately vaporize that cloud, will reduce the amount of cloud that's kind of weighing on me at the time. By doing this exercise, then you can incorporate those specific action steps into your daily planning. And then ultimately, that daily plan became becomes kind of your formalized, planned out to-do list and what you need to do to accomplish. And what, what mysteriously happens, those clouds start to vaporize and then you feel less stress. So, one of the key things I think is uh, having a, a 
uh, plan if in fact you ever want to master it. Now, the foundational things I've been talking about with, with reactive time, effective versus efficient, all of those are foundational things. But ultimately, you need a plan. You need a planning to, tool. Norman Vincent Peale said, plan your work for today and every day, then work your plan. Every one of those words in that little quote, when it comes to time mastery is important. Plan. You know, if you don't have a plan, you will probably fail. It's no different than doing a remodeling project where you don't have a plan that you're just willy-nilly doing it. Your work, plan your work. Now, your work could be personal, professional, but plan what those activities are for today. Not for next week, not for tomorrow, for today. Do it every day so that you get into the habits, the success habits of a planning exercise. Then and only then do you actually launch your plan. You don't jump into your day before you have a solid plan. It's no different, again, than a remodeling project. You wouldn't want to start the project while it was still in schematic design and you really didn't know where the windows are and where you're actually approaching your cabinet installation. So you want to have a solid plan. So in... Uh, my time mastery book, I give you a tool, but there's other tools that are out there that you can actually have a very solid plan. A to-do list is not a plan. It's a to-do list. A plan is a blueprint. A plan is a roadmap. A plan is a schedule in terms of how you're going to go about doing things, the amount of time it's going to take, when you're going to do it, when it's most appropriate. So I want to thank everybody for listening to this. I hope, you know, as a result, to this, it'll, you know, if not anything else, give you a little mini wake up call that you need to be spending some time on this topic and on this subject, especially as we get into the latter part of the year and really launch and have some resolutions into 2022 and beyond. So take care, everyone. And I look forward to speaking to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Remodeling Mastery Podcast by Mark G. Richardson, supported by Professional Remodeler Magazine, Engage, Leap, Marlamar, and Destination Motivation. Check out our earlier podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.